Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Well, welcome to Bethel Church. Welcome to our 9 a.m. service. So glad you could be with us. My name is Pastor Carlo, one of the assistant pastors here. I help, <laughs> thanks Sean, I help take care of our uh, youth ministries and media and helping out with some, overseeing some worship right now as Pastor Melissa is away, Pastor Chad is away. I love that they're on vacation, not because they're not here, but it's a reminder to me and hopefully a reminder to you. I said this a couple weeks ago. Take some time this summer if you haven't yet to spend it with your family. Like, if no one has given you permission yet to do that, um, it's like the most important thing. So spend some time with your family, your kids, your grandkids, your brothers and sisters. It's so important. It's so personal. So let's learn from our lead pastor and go on some vacation. Amen. Anybody can use that extra vacation, maybe that second or third one. Yeah, you've, you've already taken up all your vacation days, but you can use some more. I know. Maybe it just means Friday night, date night. I'm not sure. But take it, take it. It's good for you. It's good for you. Hey, we're in this series called Heroes of the Faith. Can you say that with me? Heroes of the Faith. And uh, before we kind of jump into it today, I did this a few weeks ago. I just want us to get the big picture of what that even means. So the next slide explains who the heroes of the faith are. Are. So who are the heroes of the faith? They are a collection of Old Testament followers of God that the writer of the book of Hebrews used to give examples on how to be faithful. It's a bit of a mouthful of a quote up there, but the heroes of the faith are a bunch of characters in the Old Testament that give us a really great example of how to be a faithful follower of God. And each week we've been looking at one specific or, or, or possibly two um, specific heroes of the faith, and today we're going to look at the next one. And I don't know about you, but I've just really been encouraged in my faith this summer. Like, uh, I've enjoyed this series not only just because I've been more knowledgeable about story, more knowledgeable about scripture and what's actually happening in the Old Testament, um, but more importantly, I've really just been encouraged in my faith. And I hope that you've been encouraged in your faith. And um, if you've missed any weeks, you can go to our website or our SoundCloud page or iTunes or, or Stitcher and you'll be able to download any of these sermons right to your phone. You could listen to them on your commute to work or on your commute to your vacation. Somebody say Amen. <laughs> and uh, I hope today is another moment where you can just be encouraged by your faith and we can learn from the heroes of the faith what it means to be a follower of God. So this, this morning, we're actually going to look at the next hero of the faith, which was Joseph. Can you say Joseph? Okay, a li- just a little more. Joseph? Okay, awesome. Thanks, Sean. You're the best, man. You're the best. I love that you sit right up there with me. Hey, I want to answer this one question today. Okay, so this is the big question we're going to try and answer learning from Joseph's story. How do I be faithful with God's plan for my life? I believe that as we unwrap Joseph's life and his story and some of the big vital moments in his seasons, we can actually get a really great biblical answer of how to be faithful with God's plan for your life. Okay, so let's take a moment and just pray before we look to the scripture. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you, thank you for another beautiful morning where we can just come and worship you. Lord, I pray as we look to your word this morning, God, that we would just be encouraged again in our faith. Lord, that you've given us a call, you've given us a vision, you've given us a dream. And Lord, I ask that you would teach us in this moment, over these next few minutes, just how to be, just as, as 
faithful as we can with the call you've placed on our life. Lord, help me articulate my, my words, God, and may my words just be your words. So Holy Spirit, speak through me. May we just be open to uh, just hearing you this morning, Lord. In your name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Hey, Hebrews 11 says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients or the, the heroes of the faith, were commended for. This is kind of our, our text, our scripture that our whole series is based off of. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what heroes of the faith were commended for. Before we even look at Joseph's life, I think it's really, really good for us to continue to weekly read that scripture and uh, just, just to have that in the back of our mind because if we understand the biblical explanation of what faith really is, if, can we just put that slide up on the screen one more time? If we understand what faith really is, that it's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, we're going to be under to, we're going to be able to understand Joseph's story and kind of the seasons he went through. And if you know it, he, he overcame like some really crazy stuff. You're like, oh man, this is probably going to be a hard sermon to relate to because Joseph has a crazy story. Like it is just nonsense. <laughs> it, he went through some of the most uh, horrific things and he was doing everything right. But still for some reason he was ending up in the place that nobody wants to be. But if we could keep this scripture in the back of our, our mind and learn how to be faithful just like Joseph was then it's actually going to make a lot more sense. And Joseph has quite a bit of a long story that's found in uh, Genesis, so I'm not going to be able to read it all, but I'm going to try and hit on some of the main points of his story this morning, okay? So we're going to start at Genesis 37, 1 to 4. And this scripture I'm just going to read, it's not going to be on the screen, but I would encourage you, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Genesis 37, and we're going to start at verse 1 to 4. And this is Joseph's dream. So 37, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending to the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. And nobody could ever say Old Testament last names right, right? Amen. His father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in old age. That's just like a thing that keeps happening in Old Testament. They're really obsessed with that. I don't know why. He made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So this is kind of the first introduction that we get to learn about who Joseph is. And there's two really important characteristics. He is his dad's number one. Like his dad loves him specifically more than all his other sons. So dads, go ahead right now and look around the room and choose your favorites. No, don't do that. It's not a healthy thing to do, okay? And number two, Joseph, kind of the run to the family, in a sense, uh, all his brothers specifically hated him because of that. Like, they had some extreme jealousy going on. And can we be honest for a minute? Like, rightfully so. Like, imagine if, 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 your, if your mom or dad were like, hey, you know what? Uh, you're all right, but your brother over there, your sister over there, like, they're the best. Like, they're my favorite. Like, you'd probably a little bit, you'd be a little bit upset, would you not? I know I would be. So Genesis 37, 5 to 11, we're going to continue, says this. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. 
His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of the, his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told his brothers, you think he would learn by this point? <laughs> like, like, the odds are against him. He's not kind of building a good relationship with his family right now. He says this, I had another dream. Listen, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon, <coughs> excuse me, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down and bow to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in the mind. Now before we continue with uh, Joseph's story, I think one of the most important parts for us to relate to is specifically this. God gave Joseph a dream. So I know sometimes uh, when we speak and when we preach and the sermon, it's, it's looking for you to, you're trying to look for a, a part in the story where you can relate to. Like, which character uh, am I? Uh, just, just forget about that this morning. I'm not looking for you to relate to something specific in Joseph other than this. God gave Joseph a dream. Or God gave Joseph a vision. Or God gave Joseph a call. And I really believe as children of God this morning that God has specifically given a dream or a vision or a call or whatever phrase or word you like to substitute in for that specifically for you. Like God had given something so specific for Joseph who was a regular human being who just followed God. Like me. Like you. Regular human beings. Kind of just trying our best to follow God. He has imparted in you a specific and very special plan for your life. And trust me, I understand. We throw like the words and kind of this phrase around, God has a plan for your life. Like if, if I could count how many sermons uh, I've heard with that in it, I'd be totally rich. I'd be totally rich. But it's actually true. I actually believe preachers say that all the time because we really believe that call has, uh, God has put a call on your life. He's put a plan in front for your life. And it's actually really, really special. It's really special. We can relate to Joseph in that way. And there's kind of four critical seasons in Joseph's life that I, I want to try and unwrap a little bit to understand the call and how to be faithful to the call that God has given us or how to be faithful answering that question that we said at the beginning with the dream or the vision that God has given us. So number one is pit. Can you say pit? Now, we're not talking about armpits, and we're not talking about apple pits, okay? I'll tell you the pit that we're talking about. Joseph's brothers were so jealous of him that, you know, their dad favored Joseph, and that he had this dream that he was going to rule over them, and they were all going to bow down, like Joseph's track record not doing so well. They were like, you know what? Hey, Joseph, come out to the field with us, and they go to the field, and they go to the forest, and they, they basically trick him, and they hated him so much, Scripture says, that they had plotted to kill him. Like, that's like next level. That's like super next level. So any brothers or sisters in the room, I advise you to not go up to your brother and sister and say, God told me one day you're supposed to bow down to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, you'll see. You just wait and see. Don't do that. I can't advise what's going to happen next. It might create some tension in the household. So let's just av avoid that whole scenario, right? But Joseph's brothers say, you know what, let's take him out and let's kill him. But instead, one of them comes to their senses and said, no, you know what, let's not kill him because, you know, he is our brother. He is family, even though we hate his guts. Let's not do that. So they decide to throw him in a pit, fake his death by ripping off his coat, dipping it in some animal blood. Nasty, right? You can't return that. Taking it back to their dad and saying, hey, Joseph died. 
His dad is full of grief. He's mourning. He's sad. But they actually ended up throwing him in a pit. They threw him in a pit, like a, as in like a giant hole in the ground that he could not get out of, or a well, okay? They threw Joseph in a pit. Here's the first thing that came to mind when I was trying to answer the question, how do I be faithful with the call that God has given me, learning from Joseph's story, is this. When God gives you a dream, and when he places a call on your life, there is no person or power that can take that away from you other than yourself or God. What do I mean by that? When you know that God has given you something specific, a task in life, a call, a dream, and you've just really been listening attentively to what his words are and what he's saying, and you become vulnerable, like that's actually a good state sometimes, you're vulnerable to share that call or dream with somebody else, guaranteed there will be at least one person in your life, and maybe they might even be a close friend or a relative that you thought would never treat you this way or stab you in the back because of their own insecurities and their own jealousy, they will try and tear your dream down. You're like, whoa, that's a really heavy way to start off the sermon, Pastor Carlo. Can you like tell a joke or a funny story or something? <laughs> I, I just want to skip that. Because I think this is a really, really important part. When God gives you a dream, you should share it. But I just, I just want you to know that because of other people's insecurities and their jealousy, they might try to tear you down. But the truth is that when God gives you a dream, there is no person or power other than yourself or God that can take that away from you. And sometimes what happens is when we share our big God-sized dreams, like Joseph's dreams with people, they go, oh man, that, you're crazy, Carla. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, come back down to reality. Like, like, you need to, like, let that go because, like, you know, like, that's never going to happen. You're never going to get that. You're never going to go that far. And when we hear that enough, we actually begin to believe it. As if for, for some reason someone else has more power than God over our life. But that's not true. When God gives you a dream, a specific dream, a specific call, no one could take that away from you. So continue, continue to be encouraged that if God has given you a dream, that it's not lost because someone else doesn't believe in it. You don't have to worry about them. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is a great scripture just to keep in the back of our mind as we continue to look at the story of Joseph. So, so far, he's kind of just like the youngest brother. He's a farmer. His family hates him, and then they put him in a pit. We know that God works all things for those who love him and that are called. Have you ever experienced this before? Like, have you ever had a pit moment have you, ever, have you ever shared your ideas or your plans and, and, and someone kind of tore that down and, and your season began to feel like you're stuck in this pit? You're like, I had this huge dream uh, for my future and God gave me these ideas and he gave me this vision and, and now I've been stuck for the last 5, 10, 15, 30 years in, the, in this season that I never wanted to be in. You feel like you're in a pit. And maybe even someone really close to you, like a brother or sister, helped you get there. Or maybe you've been on the other side and someone shared their God-sized dream with you and you actually put them in the pit. Hey, I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. I've been on both sides. I've had really big dreams where I've shared with people and they just thought I was nuts. Because they, they knew that the only way that that would happen is if God did it and maybe they didn't believe that he could. Or I've been on the other side where somebody has shared something with me. I was like, okay, but 
um, you don't know like how to actually like work that all out and you know you got a plan that's going to take a lot of money and a lot and I begin just to rip them down I've put I've had people put me in the pit and I've put people in the pit and I think we can relate on both sides of that this morning can we not If we remain faithful to the dream, when people try to bring us down because of their own jealousy, God can use your pit as a launch pad. Now, I would advise you to just take some notes because we kind of got like a lot to go through. This is a big story this morning. Um, And if you don't have a pen and paper, pull out your cell phone because you all have one. And uh, just take a picture of this. God can use your pit as a launch pad. What do I mean by that? I don't believe that God had purposely put Joseph in a pit. He's like, you know, Joseph, I'm going to reward your faithfulness by digging a hole and getting your brothers to hate you and put you in a pit. I don't believe that's who God is. I don't believe that's his character. I believe that that was the result of sin in an earthly circumstance that Joseph had found himself in. But you know who God is? God is the kind of God who will use your pit as a launch pad for the dream he gave you to start to come true. Isn't that amazing? Like God had used one of the worst scenarios in Joseph's life so far to the launch pad for the dream. Like this was a launch pad. If this didn't happen, it might have happened another way. But God actually used a terrible, terrible circumstance for the dream to begin to come true. Joseph remained faithful. If we can remain faithful, even when other people bring us down because of our dream, God can use that scenario as a launch pad for it to actually come true. So can we, can we just agree for a moment? I think we're actually quite good at this, but um, let's just have a quick reminder and, and an encouragement to continue to do this. Let's be the kind of community that builds each other up. Let's be the kind of community that shares our God-sized dreams with each other. Because here's the truth. You, not me, you, I'm in that you, but you are the church. Like, you are God's plan For kingdom come. You are God's big idea to help restore the earth. Now, you can't save anybody. That's Jesus' job. Take that off my shoulders. I'm so glad I don't have to save anybody. But God instills big dreams and visions in you to change the world. And I I just want to make something clear this morning. I'm not just trying to, like, hype you up. I'm not just trying to have, like, hey, we need a feel-good moment this morning at church. Like, I actually believe that God wants to give you, if he already has, you just might not have understood it yet, a big dream that can actually change the course of history if we continue to listen to him, if we continue to be faithful. He actually has given each of us something special. The first season we looked at is the pit season. The second season is the Potiphar season. So this is next, the next part of Joseph's story, and it actually gets even a little bit crazier. So Joseph's brothers, obviously, instead of killing him, decide to put him in a pit. And uh, worse than that, they're like, you know what, let's just get rid of him, and uh, we'll pretend he's dead and tell our dad that. But we're going to sell him off to, like, a, a slave trader. And uh, basically, Joseph is sold as a slave and ends up at this guy named Potiphar's house. Can you say Potiphar? Potiphar, what a, what a name. I don't know if that's a good name or if that's a bad name. Um, I'm not sure if he got bullied when he was younger or whatever. But Potiphar, it's just a funny name. Just a funny name. And Potiphar, this is who he was. He was kind of like one of the right-hand dudes to the king of Egypt, which would have been Pharaoh. And Potiphar's role was he was the captain of the guard. So he was like 
the captain of the army. He was like the captain of keeping things safe. And because of that, he was like pretty well off. Like he, he, had, he had everything he really needed. So he had this massive estate to take care of. He had lots of people that were working for him, and uh, including Joseph, one of his newest uh, crew members, one of his newest slaves at that time, which was actually a thing, crazy to think about. And what happens is Joseph built a really, really, really good He built a really good relationship with Potiphar, and Potiphar ends up putting him in charge. Like, this is over a a, a massive amount of years, but God put Potiphar, sorry, um, Joseph, I'm saying this backwards. Potiphar (laughs) put Joseph in charge of everything that he owned, of everything that he owned. And then we get to this part in Genesis 39, verses 6 to 9. Now, Joseph was a well-built and handsome person. So Joseph had in reach everything he wanted except Potiphar's wife. And, of course, Potiphar's wife wanted a piece of Joseph. He wanted a piece of Joseph in this moment. And Joseph was a well-built and handsome dude like myself. I'm just kidding. Maddie's not even here to, like, wink at me or something. So, and it just doesn't feel the same if Julian does that. <laughs> and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Like, she was just really frank in that moment. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted in my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So, so far we've learned that the pit season, God can actually use as a launch pad to the promise becoming true. And this next season in Joseph's life, there are two specific takeaways from that scripture we just read about him saying no, okay? Helps us answer how to be faithful with God's plan for our life. So number one thing is this. Joseph earned favor with Potiphar through his character. All right? So some of you may feel like you're in a season where work just feels like you're a slave, like, your bosses don't care about you, the, the people that are in authority over top of you, like, you just aren't excited to wake up Monday morning and go to work, or whatever that may look like for you. I don't think Joseph was stoked that much either, that his brothers had beat him up, thrown him in a pit, sold him to, in, in, into slavery, and then he has to work his way up to the top. I don't think he was really stoked about that or happy about that. And I sure don't think that, that thought, he thought that that was part of God's plan for his life. I don't think he was like, ah, you know what, this must be God's plan for my life, to be a slave. But even still, even still, he showed good character and good moral and good ethic in that season, in his Potiphar season. And actually God showed favor on him. And helped him have the ability to oversee everything that Potiphar had. Who had this crazy big estate. Except for one thing. He couldn't have Potiphar's wife. He couldn't have Potiphar's wife. Character. It's huge. How do we be faithful to God's plan for our life? We've got to work on our character. We've got to work on our character. One specific part of our character that I think is so vital to being faithful with the call is integrity. Joseph's character included a high value of integrity. A high value. What does integrity mean? i got two different definitions for you. I'm going to read them here up on the screen. 
Integrity is the practice of being honest and showing consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values. Another way says this. This is just found in the dictionary, by the way. Integrity means following your moral or ethical convictions and doing the right thing in all circumstances, even if no one is watching you. Having integrity means you are true to yourself and you would do nothing that demeans or dishonors you. I have a quick funny story for you. Um, when I was in grade 8, turning uh, 15, going into grade 9, I was applying for my first job, all right? And at that point, I, haven't, I hadn't been in high school yet, so I didn't take civics and careers, and I didn't even know how to spell resume. Like, I, did, I had no idea what a resume was, so I had asked my best friend, Mike, who had worked at Price Chopper. Everybody remember Price Chopper, the blue and the orange grocery store? Uh, it's now Freshco. There might be one left in Canada, um, but Price Chopper was my very first job, and I needed to hand in a resume to apply for this said job. I didn't know what that was, and uh, I didn't think about going to Google to steal something. So instead, I just borrowed my friend Mike's resume, changed the name, changed the ages, kind of like the things we did at school. And uh, in the About Me section, where like when it's your first job, you write about like, I really like soccer and sports are important to me. Like that's going to help us get a job somewhere, right? But your first resume is just like the things you like. And uh, I ended up getting this job. But I remember one specific line that was in uh, the About Me section was, integrity is important to me. And I was like, that sounds really good. I have no idea what that means, but integrity is important to me. How ironic is that? I stole my friend's resume. I uh, just kind of just put all the different names, the, the, the first and last name and the years we were born and the places we volunteered and all that kind of stuff, and integrity was important to me. And I had to kind of learn that the hard way, um, but eventually, eventually I figured that out. And by the way, it's really funny, but if you look at my resume today, I actually have kept that on there. And I usually tell the story if, if a, an employee or, or a boss were to ask me, like, well, why is integrity important to you? I was like, well, I have a story for you. And I've basically been hired on the spot for most of it. <laughs> um, but it, integrity took me a while to figure out. But I believe the characteristic of integrity in our life is so vital to understanding how we can faithfully follow God's plan for our life. You need integrity. If you want to follow God's plan, you have to be willing to say no and run away even when you can get away with sin and no one is watching. It's so important because we cannot hide our sin from God. Like scripture says, our sin will find us out. So if you've been kind of going down this road like, I've been trying to follow the, the dream or the plan that God has in my life, but you think you're getting away with all the stuff that he doesn't see, he sees it. That's why the season you might be in not, might not be the best thing. Because you're not actually lined up with the plan that he has for your life. Character is so important. Sometimes we believe the season, getting to the next step or the next opportunity, has to do with all of this outside stuff. But God is way more, uh, he's way more interested in your heart and what's going on the inside of your life than your surroundings. And when we can actually clue into what's going on the inside, he'll take care of the outside. Like that's what scripture promises. When we take care of the inside, he'll take care of the outside. And the best part is this, the best part is this, God is not asking you to be the greatest Christian who does everything right and never messes up and you're like next to Jesus. Like it's not going to happen first of all, <laughs> but you don't actually have to try to do that because Jesus even says little faith can move a mountain. 
God is willing to work with the faith that you have. And if you entrust even that little mustard seed size of faith, he can expand it. He could grow on it. So how do we be faithful followers of the call that God's put on our life? We got we to gotta be intentional with our character. We got to have a high value for integrity. Even if we have to learn the highway, the highway, the hard way, and lie about it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a joke. You can laugh now. Go ahead. All right, thanks. Thanks a lot. His third season, his third season was the prison season. So we have the pit season, we have the Potiphar season, and then we have the prison season. So Joseph, or Potiphar's wife is trying to get with Joseph, and Joseph's like, uh-uh, I don't want anything to do with that. She keeps bugging him over and over and over again until one day Joseph's like, no way. So he just drops his coat and no one else is around. He could have totally got away with it. No one would have figured out. They would have had the secret romance. But instead, Joseph says, uh-uh, not going to happen. I'm running away from here. He leaves his coat and Potiphar's wife actually comes up with the scheme on the spot and decides to scream until the guards come over and eventually Potiphar and she says, he tried to assault me. Joseph tried to sexually assault me. This slave that you've given everything to, he's tried to sexually assault me. Potiphar obviously is like really upset about that and takes Joseph, kicks his butt, puts him right into prison. All right. So here's the funny part. Joseph Working on his character, he's being integral, he decides to run away from sin. Guess where that got him? Prison. Woo! That sounds good. Like, you ever have those moments in your life where you're like, I've just been faithful and my life still sucks. <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've been working on my character and things are still not going my way. I've been integral. I put it on my resume. <laughs> like, it's important to me. And my life is still not going according to what I thought God had for me. God, you gave me this plan, this vision, this dream years ago. And I've been trying to faithfully follow you. And I feel like I'm in prison right now. This is where Joseph felt like he was. But while Joseph was in prison, Genesis 39, 20 to 23 says this. While Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph did not think that prison was going to be part of God's plan for him. He didn't think that this dream would happen by him going to prison. So why is it that when Joseph was true to himself, he didn't sin, he had good character, integrity, and ran away, the result wasn't a good one? This is because we have a misunderstanding of what integrity is. Integrity is not for personal gain or success. You don't do the right thing in your life so you can try and get ahead in it. You do the right thing because you believe it's the right thing. There isn't necessarily going to be this earthly reward for you doing the right thing. Like, have you ever been in a moment at, at, at a job and you've been kind of working really, really hard and you're expecting that raise or you think you're going to get that bonus and nobody even notices it? Character has more about working in behind the scenes when nobody else can see it. But just like we can't hide sin from God, we also can't hide our good character, our good morals, our good ethic, our good integrity. God actually sees that. And because God saw that in Joseph, even though he was in prison, 
it says the Lord was with him. Let this be a reminder to you, if, if you feel like you're in the prison season right now, the Lord is with you. Continue to be faithful. Hold on to that promise that the Lord is with you. He will grant you favor. He's got some good stuff coming up. You just got to hold on a little bit longer. You just got to be a little more faithful. Integrity is not for personal gain or success. But God does see it. Proverbs 3, 3 to 4 says this. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Scripture tells us love and faithfulness. We got to like wrap it around our neck. All right. We got to like tattoo it on our heart. All the people are like, ah, tattoos are wrong. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Whatever. I don't have any. I don't have any tattoos. Quick tattoo story. Really, 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 really quick. Okay. Uh, when my dad was in the hospital, uh, his, his sister was there, my aunt, which is Zia. It means aunt in Italian. I didn't know that till I was 15. I thought her name was Zia. <laughs> her name is Joya. <laughs> um, but my Zia, I was talking about uh, to my dad. I'm like, hey, you know what? I was thinking of like getting this tattoo. Um, and it's, it's an Italian uh, card game. Um, and I wanted to get one of the symbols in remembrance of my dad. And my, my Zia had overheard that. And uh, she was like, I will disown you. You will not be part of the family anymore. She was not about the tattoos and uh, I would have felt like I would have been put in a pit. So I'm still wishy-washy on whether I'm going to get a tattoo or not because uh, I really need my Zia because she cooks the best food and makes the best cannolis from scratch. But faithfulness as if, I know we're kind of joking here for a moment, we have to do it as if we've tattooed it on our heart. Like that's how important faithfulness actually is in our walk with God. Later in the season of Joseph's life, he actually meets a cupbearer who's sent to prison. So a cupbearer was kind of like a guy that worked for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he gets end up set, being sent to jail. And the cupbearer has this dream, and Joseph interprets his dream. Joseph interprets his dream, and what happens next is the dream talks about the cupbearer being set free from prison, Pharaoh kind of changing his mind, and, and reinstating him in that position. And a few days later, it actually all becomes true. He's set free from prison. He gets his old job back and all is made right. And all Joseph asked this cupbearer was one thing. When this dream comes true, because God told me it so I know it's going to, can you just remember me in prison and tell Pharaoh to get me out of here? And the cupbearer is like, yeah, sure, no problem. So a few days later it happens. And two years go by. And Joseph hears nothing from this cupbearer. He's completely forgotten about. His brothers hate him. They throw him in a pit. He is sold as a slave to this dude named Potiphar. He does everything right. He has good character, good morals, good ethics, good integrity. And he ends up being framed for a crime he did not commit, thrown into prison. He interprets some guy's dream and says, please, would you remember me? Get me out of here. And he is actually at the top of the prison now. So he's in good standing, but he's still in prison. And for two more years, nobody remembers him. But scripture says that the Lord is with him. It brings us to the last season I want to talk about of Joseph's life, which was his, the Pharaoh season. Two years go by. Pharaoh ends up having this dream. Pharaoh, Pharaoh ends up having this dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. All right? And what that actually meant, actually, we'll get to that in a second. The cupbearer 
Uh, Pharaoh tried to find all of these like magicians and wise people uh, and all that kind of stuff to interpret this dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And what does it mean? He couldn't find nobody in Egypt that he knew, that he trusted. And one day the cupbearer overhears that and he says, hey, Pharaoh, I actually know somebody that can do that for you. It's this dude I met in prison like Oh shoot! I was supposed to. I was supposed to tell you about him two years ago. Um, if you go see him, he'll be able to interpret your dreams. His name is Joseph. So Pharaoh goes and gets Joseph, and Joseph says this when Pharaoh asks him to interpret his dream. Genesis forty sixteen. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I always think that's just kind of funny. Like, if if someone asks you a question, and they're like, uh, um. You know, uh, hey, Carlo, do you mind doing this for me? And I go, uh, I cannot do this for you, but God will do this for Mike. <laughs> now, like, God will do this for you, Mike. God will do this for Mike. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was a weird way of writing it. But I think just those few words there, we've we got to kind of uh, untwist them and see what they really mean. What, what, how can we answer the question how to be faithful in our walk with God? When opportunities arise for you to use your God-given gifts, in this case, it was the ability to interpret dreams by Joseph, you need to be sure to give credit to the one who gave them to you. How do you be faithful with the call that God has given your life? If God has given you a dream, it's too big for you to do yourself, which means that it's going to require for him to give you some type of God-given ability to actually have that dream happen. Which means when the opportunity arises for you to use that gift, to use that ability, you better not take all the credit. You better start saying, you know what, um, it's actually God who's going to interpret this dream. It's actually God who's going to be able to heal. It's actually God is the one who's actually able to see into the future, to prophesy. It's actually God who's actually going to be able to bring restoration. It's actually God who's going to do all these things. Me and you, we're just vessels. And I mean, that alone is a, a, a huge honor and privilege to be used by God in such a mighty way. If he has given you a call, if he has given you a dream, which he has, you just got to listen for it. He will give you the ability for that dream to come true. So as opportunities arise, remember to give him the credit. That's how you be faithful. The interpretation of the dream kind of went like this. The seven fat cows really meant seven years of plentiful harvest in Egypt. And the seven skinny cows meant seven years of famine. But it didn't end like that. It was seven years of famine that results in the end of Egypt. And Pharaoh was like, not cool with that. But Joseph had said that if you find somebody smart enough, basically, to put in charge in those first seven years, you will be able to skip the seven years of famine. Like, you got to store up the food. you got to come up with a really good plan. So Pharaoh says, well, you've told me all this. So Joseph, I'm going to take you out of prison, and I'm going to put you in charge. He was in the pit. He was in the season with Potiphar. He was in the season of the prison. And now he's in the season of like the right-hand man to Pharaoh. Overseeing all of the crops, all of the harvest, all of the food. Guess what happens next? Seven years go by and the famine begins to start. The food isn't growing anymore. You know, it's probably not raining enough. Things are too dry. You know, the bunny rabbits are getting in there eating all the carrots. And people have to start coming in to Egypt to buy food. And long and behold, Joseph's family ends up having to come into Egypt. And th this goes on for a few chapters, so I, I don't have time to read it this morning. But basically what happens 
is they bowed down to Joseph, and because it's been like 15-ish years, they don't even recognize him anymore, even though he was a well-built and handsome man. He was in charge of all the food, so <laughs> he might have gained a few pounds since then. But they don't even recognize him at all. They have no idea who he is. And eventually we get to this scripture found in Genesis 45, verses 3 to 7. It says this, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be, dis- and now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The last thing I think we can learn from this season, the Pharaoh season of Joseph's life, is that forgiveness is the action that pushes us forward. Forgiveness is the action that pushes us forward in the call or the dream or the vision that God's put in your life. If you want to know how to be faithful with the dream that God has given you, you've got to be forgiving. You've got to have grace with people. And I don't think this was easy for Joseph. Like when we read the text, it doesn't really necessarily give us like the little like in-betweens. But he was beat up by his brothers, thrown into a pit. They, they faked his death. They sold him to a slave. Then he was uh, uh, bought by this dude named Potiphar. And then Potiphar, uh, you know, accused him of sleeping with his wife. So he was thrown into prison. And then he was forgotten about prison by one of his best friends that he did uh, a really awesome miracle for. I think this would have been really hard for Joseph to forgive his brothers. Like, this would have been the best. Ha! Look who's, look who's talking now. Like, I'm at the top, and you guys are begging for food. In fact, if I don't give it to you, you will die off. He had all the rights in the world to be able to say, I told you so. Not going to happen. We're done. Joseph was faithful. He was actually faithful. Long story short, he helps his brothers out. He helps his family out. So is, is, is this story all about, like, like, his brothers bowing down to him? I think the actual miracle in this story is that the dream that God had given Joseph didn't necessarily have all the details. And Joseph had no idea that he was going to help save an entire nation from starvation. God only gave him this kind of like snippet of the dream of, you know, the dreams is going to come true when your brothers bow down to you. But way back, he, didn't, he had no idea that he was going to help save, save Egypt. He had no idea. He had no idea. God was looking for a person to help save Egypt, even if. Even if they're put in the pit. Even if they're accused of doing something wrong. Even if they're put into prison. Even if they're forgotten about. God needed a faithful follower that was an even if kind of person. So what does that mean for you and me this morning? We might be in one of those seasons. Maybe you feel like you're on the top, you know, you've been given opportunity, you're in charge of a few things you weren't last year. Or maybe you feel like you're in the pit season where things are just not going right. Maybe you feel like people have forgotten about you. I'm not sure necessarily where everyone's season is at. But God is looking for people, even if, to continue to be faithful. 
So my question for you this morning is what season are you in? And are you willing to kind of be that even if person? If you want to truly be faithful with the call that God has given over your life, it might require even if. It might require even if the pit, even if the prison. Don't go to prison. (laughs) But it might require even if. I want to take a moment just to pray for you this morning. And I'm going to invite the the prayer leaders just to come forward. And uh, we're just going to do a moment of prayer. And and if you feel like you're in any of these kinds of seasons or or you want prayer for anything, you're more than welcome to come forward. Um, But as they come up, I I just want to take a moment to pray for you. And then the prayer leaders are going to be at the front. And you can come and pray um, with them. And we just want to encourage you in whatever season you're in. We want to encourage you in your faith. We want to encourage you to continue to walk with God. And the best thing is you don't have to do it alone, and it's not on your own strength. I think sometimes as human beings, we try to do everything by ourselves and, and be macho and all that. But, but the Lord, your God, is with you. He's with you. And maybe, I don't know if there's any other prayer leaders, but maybe Pastor Charlie and, uh, and some others, if, if maybe Kathy, if, if we can just get a few more people on this side, that would be awesome. Let's just take a moment and pray. And uh, as I'm praying, feel free to come forward. So Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that we have a place where we can come freely to worship you. God, that we have food in our, in our fridge and, and a vehicle of some sort to, to get to places like church. And, Lord, all these things we take for granted. Lord, we thank you for them. And, God, I thank you for the season. God, we've learned this morning that you are a God who works in seasons. And we are just people that are impatient. But, Lord, you're working in our season and behind the scenes when we don't even know it. And Lord, I thank you for the ones that uh, are being faithful on those hilltop moments right now. And God, for the ones that feel like they're stuck in the valley, in the pit or the prison, Lord, would you just build up their faith this morning? God, would we turn to you, would we look to you in every moment of our life? Would we give you praise? Because we need you, Jesus. We need you. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.